Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to Southampton FC. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, and I'm joined by two very happy, very relieved Saints fans, I think. Jack Serlis and Ben Thompson. Jack, first, how are you? I'm good. Did um, my first nine holes in quite a long time this morning and came back to watch Saints win. So it's been a decent, decent Sunday. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very good. Thanks. How, how was your performance? Was it going 2-0 down against Burnley style of golf or was it coming back 3-2 and winning? Genuinely, it was similar to the game because I started off awfully and I was yeah. hitting, I don't know, like I haven't played golf in a long time, but I was hitting nines and tens around the course. And then second half pulled it back. So it was a little bit of um, spirit of saints today. <laughs> Good to hear. And Ben, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Very well after that now. Um, yeah. Better than previous weeks. <laughs> It's good to have you back on the podcast. Um, yes, we're discussing the Burnley game, a 3-2 victory. I'm sure there's an Easter joke in there somewhere. 2-0 down on Easter Sunday, dead and buried. But Saints rose again, claiming a massive three points thanks to a 3-2 come-from-behind victory at St Mary's. Stuart Armstrong, Danny Ings and Nathan Redmond getting the goals. Nathan, the match winner, to follow up his excellent performance in the FA Cup quarterfinal win over Bournemouth. So credit there and we will discuss uh, Redmond later on on the podcast. Sunday's win puts us on 36 points with eight games to go. Obviously, the spectre of relegation has been hanging over us in recent months, but three points does us the world of good. Ten points now clear of 18th place Fulham. That's just our second win in the Premier League in 13 matches, but crucially, our second win in four games now and our third win in five games in all competitions. So with a semi-final on the horizon too, things are very much looking up after a bleak start to 2021. So a lot to discuss from Sunday, a real roller coaster of a match, but do your best, please, Jack, to give us an overview on your thoughts on the result first and the overall performance second. I said on the podcast last week, didn't I, that it was it was result over performance today. And we saw a mixed bag, I think, from Southampton. First half an hour or so was pretty shocking and Burnley going 2-0 up kind of deservedly. We were we were on the on the back foot from the from the first whistle. Um but you've got to give credit to Southampton spinning it round. Um quick quiz question for both of you. Last time Southampton turned around a two-goal uh, deficit at home. What are you think? Liverpool, was it? Liverpool? I, th- I think it was Liverpool. Yeah, I had a look. It uh, was Liverpool. So it's where we go. Yeah, so I think that would have been 20, 2016 season. So it's been a long time. It's usually us <laughs> dropping the points from those positions, isn't it? So it makes yeah. a change. But um, I think we'll talk about them soon, but returning Danny Ings, returning Theo Walcott, Nathan Redmond seems, a, you know, he's got a bit more incision about his play now and he's taking his chances and he's creating chances rather than playing it safe. So I feel like we've got a, a lift in our team at a very important part of the season. Um, we've obviously got the FA Cup semi-final coming up and just to see performances from these players, Danny Ings as well, I think, was back to the Danny Ings that evolved from last season. So it's really encouraging and hopefully the lads can kick on for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Let's get the dross out of the way early on. 2-0 down in 28 minutes. Midfield looked wide open, sloppy passes all over the place and ultimately sloppy defending, I think, from Kyle Walker-Peters conceding that penalty after 12 minutes. Some talk of him being held back. Walker-Peters has since apologised for giving away the penalty on Twitter, so I don't think he's complaining too much. But Ben, interested to know where you stand on that penalty decision because Andre Mariner, he went to the monitor, VAR, pointed to the spot. The contact was clear, wasn't it, with Eric Peters? It was just a question of was Walker-Peters fouled prior to it? What was your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I thought he was. And well, at, at the time, and I, I don't know if that's kind of, you know, emotional response, but it's, I mean, it's definitely a foul on, on Eric Peters. And he's, I, want, I don't know if that's maybe frustration from his point of thinking he might have been fouled and maybe, maybe should have made more of it. Um, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need to go in. I don't think Eric Peters is in a particularly dangerous position. Um, and he's, he's just, he's just kind of lashed out a bit. I don't think it's any complaints for you, Jack. No, I don't think so. I'm exactly the same as Ben. First, first look at it. I was thinking that's a pullback on Walker Peters. When you look at it again, he's a bit too weak and Eric Peters does him on that outside. And again, I agree with Ben. I think it was a little bit of a reaction from that, maybe thinking that he should have got a foul. He's done, he's put a tackle in that you don't see Walker Peters do that often. He kind of usually stays on his feet. So it's a bit out of character, but I don't think we've got any complaints. That was, that was as stonewall as they come in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been incredibly soft, wouldn't it, of Andre Mariner giving a foul on, on Walker Peters. Yeah. As, as much as as much as Saints fans, we would have loved that. I think looking at it objectively, it's a penalty. Chris Wood sticks it away, one 0 down. Not a great start, and then it got worse from there. I mean, possibly the most Burnley goal of Burnley <laughs> goals to go two 0 up. Long punt forward from Nick Pope. Bednarak and Vestergaard got them in all kinds of trouble, got themselves in all kinds of trouble. And just a simple flick on from Chris Wood and Vidra makes it 2-0. Um, Jack, I was about to throw my phone through my laptop when that goal went in. Mm. Fortunately, we scored three minutes later. But what, what was your take on that defending? Because that was just shocking. Remind, reminded me a little bit of, I went to the Burnley game at home last season and pissing down with rain. One of the worst days of all time, I think. It was just before COVID hit. <laughs> Um, and we lost 2-1, I think, at home. And it was a similar kind of goal. It was a flick-on from a Burnley strike, and it just dropped to Matej Vidro, who just laced it into the back of the net past the keeper. Um, he seems to have a decent record against us. But yeah, really poor defending, as you said. Like Chris Wood is going to win his fair share of headers. That's what he's built his career on. He's a big striker that's going to do that. But you've got to be you know, defensively solid to win those second balls and to keep an eye on the striker, and I don't, the second strike. And I don't think we did that. And it was very, very easy question marks over Fraser Forster what did you make of it yeah I think he could have potentially done a little bit better went with his went with his foot but um, I'm not going to be too critical of him we will discuss the saves that he made in the second half um, a little bit later but um, my my thinking was we have been I think we've we've gone behind in 12 games and we've lost 10 of them the only mm. win coming from behind was at the Amex when we beat Brighton 2-1. Um, so of all the teams you want to go behind to, Burnley is not one of them because they are incredibly tough to break down. Um, we saw it in that first half, even even when we weren't playing particularly well, we had a few opportunities and they were just kind of last-ditch blocks all over the place. Um, so they are a frustrating team to play against. I think they've before this game, they had gone ahead in 10 games and won seven of them. So really a tough team. Sean Dyche's teams are always difficult um, to create opportunities against. And I was just sitting there thinking 2-0 down. You're you're almost thinking game over at yeah. that point against the Burnley team, especially the way that we've been playing recently. Looking back to some of our home performances recently against Brighton, against Wolves, against Villa. Um, we've been kind of desperate going forward. But I think the difference today was we had the strongest team out today compared to... Um, well, for, for a long, long time, Ings returning, Walcott returning. Um, and ultimately, it was Ings that helped get us back in the game three minutes later, providing a nice little flick through to Armstrong. 
um, and a great finish, Ben. Um, how how important was that for you to, to kind of immediately strike back? Yeah, definitely. It was uh, for it to be so quick after that second Burnley goal. Just it just changed the momentum completely, and I don't think it gave Burnley a chance to kind of settle back into their low block, just um, rigid style of, of of play that they're that they're used to. So yeah, just a, a really nice touch from Danny Ings, right into Armstrong, and then a instinctive finish. Um, that's what he. That's what he can do, isn't it, Armstrong? Give him a chance around the box, and he'll yeah. he's going to hit the target. Uh, more than likely, score. Bad from Nick Pope. Yeah, it wasn't in the corner, was it? But not in the corner. Kind of, he seemed yeah. a bit a bit far to those left. I thought it was a bit weird. Yeah, I think I, I, in general, I think Nick Pope was pretty poor. And again, for for England over the international break with his feet, he looks a bit dodgy. And we nearly nicked a goal. I think Nathan Redmond put a bit of pressure on him, yeah. so he didn't look on his game today. But I think that was poor. It was a good, like you said, a good finish from Stuart Armstrong. He does hit the target, but you'd expect a keeper of his of his stature to be saving them. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Danny bags his 10th goal of the season, capitalising on a mistake from, from Ben Mee. Absolutely sent Tarkovsky um, and then tucked <laughs> it under Pope. Basically mugged all three of Sean Dyche's pets in one move um, to make it 2-2. And great to see him back among the goals, isn't it? Because he, he's had a few injuries this season. He obviously scored 22, 23 last season. It's 10 now um, for him. He'll be disappointed with the way things have gone this year, especially with the Euros coming out. We discussed it on the podcast last week. The fact that he probably needs five, six, seven goals between now and the end of the season to even put himself back in Gareth Southgate's thinking. Um, I think we all agree that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably the favourite to to back up Harry Kane. But um, that, was a Harry, that was a Danny Ings of last season, wasn't it? Yeah, completely. It was just so poor from Ben Mee to let the ball go past him. But from that point, you're thinking... Who's got the composure from a Southampton player? Who's got the composure to... You know, that's Shea Adams. We've seen him in quite a few situations and we saw it again today when he went through on goal where you're not too confident that he's going to find the corner. But Danny Ings has got that bit of quality where he looks up and he takes an extra second to think, sees Tarkovsky coming flying across and thinks, I can do a little fake shot inside and send the defender um, and then put it underneath Nick Pope. And that's the kind of finish that you think you know, I think I think the elite players do those finishes more often than not, and some 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 players try to pick out the corner, and a keeper gets a big knee on it or a big foot on it or a save. And Danny Ings seems to have that ability to find the gap underneath keepers, and it was it was a brilliant finish because there wasn't much of the goal to aim at with Nick Pope coming out at him, but um, brilliant finish. And again, like I said, that is that's what he needs to do in between now and the end of the season to get on the plane. And I think that's great motivation for him, you know, that we've got a player that's trying to get in the England squad, and hopefully over the next you know rest of the season he can continue doing that. So extremely uh, pleasantly surprised to see us go in at the break at 2-2, um, considering how, how bad things looked after 28 minutes. Um, let's talk about the return of Walcott and Ings then, because we looked much more dangerous. And, and as we said, against the Burnley team, that it's difficult to create chances again. We looked dangerous. 24 shots in the match overall to their nine. Um, ben, what did you make of... of Ings, I guess, first of all, with his goal and also the returning Theo Walcott. Yeah, that goal was just, it was everything you kind of expect or want to see from a top-class striker. It was, it just did everything right. Uh, and that's not something that I think our other strikers are consistent at doing. Um, so 
I, I, didn't, I didn't expect him to start this game. I thought he might come off the bench, maybe half. Well, he came off uh, off the bench at half time in the Brighton game, um, back when he came from behind then. And I thought it might be a similar situation today, but to see him back in the starting eleven is brilliant. And then Walcott, I, I, you just he's been out for so long, and I just got kind of used to him not being in the team. To, so to see him back, and then that then makes the bench stronger with. Uh, Gineppo, Adams, we had Minamino on the bench as well. To have that on op- those options there as well was, was really nice. I think that's one of the big big positives from those players coming back from injury. I think so, because that that's exactly it. It just makes our bench look so much better. It gives Ralph so many more options and it probably was the strongest starting eleven that we've put out for a long, long time. I think Walcott got injured in the same game as Diallo. Was it the Villa game? I think he's mm. been out since then. Yeah. So it's been a hell of a long time. Um, Jack, I know you had some thoughts on, on Theo's return, did some research into him before the game and and a, quite a Theo-like performance, wasn't it really? Yeah, I was just having a look at him this season, obviously with him coming back this weekend, just to see what impact he has on the whole squad in terms of how many points we get. Um, so he's played, before today, we played 15 games with Theo Walcott in the starting eleven, and 14 games without Theo Walcott. And we've picked up 20 points with him in the team. Well, that would be 23 now and 13 points without him in the team. And we have, we score more goals. We concede less goals and we create more chances with him in the team. And he's so frustrating from a personal level watching Phil. I'm sure other Saints fans listening to this will think the same. There's just so many times where he'd be running with the ball and makes the wrong choice, I think is the best way to put it in terms of there was a chance where he was running at the defender and the easy pass was on to Stuart Armstrong on the right-hand side. And I think Nathan Redmond was there as well, but he decided to cut back to try and get it onto his right foot to then play the pass. And I think Dwight McNeil nicked it off him. And there's a few other instances where I think he could have laid off Danny Ings or laid off Nathan Redmond in the box and decided to swing at it with his left foot. Seems to be sometimes a little bit too desperate to get on the score sheet, I think is a bit of an issue of his. However, like like Ben said, we're a better team with him starting. And again, yeah, the, the whole team is just a bit stronger. And I think he adds that little bit of, bit of composure and experience that sometimes the players like Gineppo lack when they tried something that's maybe not on. I think Walcott has that bit of experience that raises other people's games as well. So I thought he played well today. Let's talk about Nathan Redmond then. The match winner today, obviously... Man in the match performance against Bournemouth in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Two goals there. His third goal then in two games today wins the match for us. Superb play from Walcott to pick him out with a nice cross and a great finish as well. Ben, what did you make of, of Redmond's overall performance? And where do you think this kind of return to form has come from? Uh, first of all, yeah, performance really good, kind of just leading on from the break, from the Bournemouth game. I think he just... I think confidence has been huge for for him in that sense from that game, and I suppose yeah, lucky that we got that draw and we had that opportunity to for those kind of players with with Shea Adams as well. I know didn't have a game today, but just that opportunity, I think, to just have a breather from the league and opposition that aren't aren't the, the likes of the opposition that we could have faced in that same round of the cup. I think that was a great a great chance. Get, just break from the league, reset heads, and Redmond especially just just thrived off that. Continued that today, um, just making chances and and, and getting his goal fully deserved. 
he's he's playing in this different role now up front and he's been in it a, a few times in, in recent weeks. And I thought he was lively. He was lively against Bournemouth and, and lively again today. And what we've, I've been critical of him. I think most fans have been very critical of him um, this season and even before that because we've lacked that end product from him. And that's what he's provided ultimately in these last two games, end product. Um, it was interesting, the fact that, as you mentioned, Shea Adams in form, went on international duty with Scotland, scored against the Faroe Islands, but then wasn't picked today. Ralph preferring Redmond up front with, with the returning Danny Ings. Were you surprised by that, Jack, to see Redmond up front over, over Che? Um, and what did you make of, of Redmond's performance? I think it's a case of you've got a lot of players going away on international duty. Ralph has got two weeks there to work with players that aren't you know, going away. And all the, all the players that haven't gone away with their countries are going to have two weeks on the training ground to really drill into his tactics. And he always says that, doesn't he? When Whenever we have a break from play, whether it's a summer period or a three weeks off, we come back stronger. So I think there's a massive case of Shea Adams has gone away with, with Scotland and obviously done really well there. But you want to, you want to work with the players that you've been training with all week. Um, and I think with Nathan Redmond's performance overall... He played well, like I said at the start, he was creating chances. And I think with his goal, he took it very, very, very well. It's not an easy finish at all because the ball from Walcott was very good. But I think there was two or three Burnley players on the line and to pick out that bottom corner was brilliant. I think, I echo what Ben said, I think he's a massively confident player. Um, So to have the opportunity to play against a lesser opposition in Bournemouth, to get those couple goals... Um, I think he needed that essentially because he was just letting 90 minutes or 60 minutes or 30 minutes pass him by where he did absolutely nothing, which would have just lowered his confidence. Um, and in terms of him starting, I think that's a welcome um, kind of change for Southampton. We don't really have that option normally. It's usually whoever's fit is in the team and then we'll have seven youngsters on the bench. So to have the, lux- to have the luxury of put- putting Gineppo, putting Minamino and putting Shea Adams on the bench is... Um, yeah, it was it was different to see and it was good to see that we have those options. He played a role in in Danny's equaliser as well, kind of stepping over the ball. I think it came through from Walker Peters and he just drops deep, doesn't he? And pulls defenders away from 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 Danny Ings in a way that I don't think that Che quite quite does that. I think I thought Che came on and played well. He held up the ball well, um, didn't get much, and then obviously had that big opportunity at the end. But just to go back on the Redmond goal, it came in a match in a period when we were absolutely peppering them. I think we created five clear-cut openings in the space of five minutes or so, really. James Will Prowse hitting the crossbar with a great shot. Armstrong went close. Um, decent save, actually, from from Pope there. One of his better saves on the day. Um, Walcott went close. Ings went close. Um, it looked, at that point, only a matter of time before we were going to score. Then Redmond scores. And we're three to up with about 20 minutes to go. And you just want us to keep the pressure on. Now, that's not really the way it works, is it? You kind of naturally start sinking back a little bit. And I wanted to talk about the change that Ralph made um, because we did go to a three at the back. Ben, were you surprised when Armstrong's number went up, first of all, and the fact that Salasi was coming on? We had 10 minutes to go. We were winning. And it seemed to me like a little bit of a gamble to change the shape of the team change the formation of the team um, and really invite a little bit of pressure from Burnley just to pump the ball into the box. Were you surprised by that change? Yeah, I was. I think um, it's, it's one of those where if it works, praise there's praise from Ralph and if it, if it doesn't work, then there's big criticisms. But 
I think sometimes we've said there's not a there's not so much of a plan B that that our team has when we're when we're winning games, or, or sorry, when we're losing momentum from winning games, and to have that and actually work and close out a game, I think is very positive. Um, and yeah, it was a bit weird that there was a bit of a role reversal in the near the end of the game in terms of Burnley were the ones that started going going more forward because well because they had to, and and we kind of defended quite resolutely yeah Forster with a couple of great saves big saves from Forster both from Chris Wood one of them I'll be honest I was incredibly nervous about VAR penalty shout for Chris Wood um, Jan Benarak had a massive pull on pull on the shirt but um, for whatever reason not given Jack just kind of sum up your like, this is obviously a massive massive win for Ralph and for the team but I think really for the manager, having lost that game to Brighton, we started the game on 33 points, level with Burnley. Um, the headlines for Burnley now after this game are, are going to be the fact that they're not safe yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for us, 10 points clear, one game, it can do us the world of good. And I think it will do Ralph the world of good because pressure was building after that Brighton game, wasn't it? Yeah, I just want to touch on a couple of things that you guys mentioned there. So I think the three five, well, the three centre backs chain putting Salasu on. I don't have an issue with that theoretically because you know we're we're going to come under immense pressure in that final fifteen minutes. That's how football works, isn't it? And they're going to launch the ball, and you're thinking, let's get another defender back there. But I don't know about go on. I was going to say that is how football works, unless you're playing against Southampton, who are trying to score That's a goal in the last fifteen minutes, and then you're then you typically get an easy 15 minutes until the full-time whistle. <laughs> Similar to Arsenal, actually, watching them yesterday against Liverpool. Yeah. But um, I just can't pick out, I don't know if you guys can pick out a time when we've looked better or like it's kind of worked um, when we've shift changed formation. I think it's always made us look a bit weaker. And Salasu's had some very good performance in the Saints shirt, but I don't think they've come when, we've, when he's been playing as part of a back three. He seems to be a little bit, there's a few times in that game today where I thought he was going out of position and chasing a ball into midfield where we seem to just massively lose shape. So, you know, I, I get it, but I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, and then in terms of the, I was just reading a few post-match interviews and stuff like that, but Sean Dyche absolutely fuming with, with the decisions. And usually, usually it's us, but the Bertrand handball didn't, didn't really get mentioned too he's much. Complaining, he's complaining about that. Well, he's, he's mentioning a few decisions and he's saying the Bertrand handball and the wood shirt pull. But it's one of those ones at the start of the season that Ryan Bertrand one gets looked at and they give it because it has hit him on the hand and it's come from so far away and nothing's in Well, that was, the, that was exactly the same as Ben Mee, wasn't it? In the first five minutes when Danny Ings had a shot and it hit Ben Mee on the hand. And exactly, yeah. You think, I thought earlier on in the season, that's a penalty. But ultimately, I was pleased that that wasn't given because that is not a penalty kick. And it's the same for the Bertram one. I mean, I, I think he's got a, more of a case on the Chris Wood shirt pull. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. He's, Sean Dice just pisses me off because he's a prick. But oh, No, honestly, the way Burnley play football, is, it makes me laugh. You know, when players get a free kick around the halfway line and they put their hand on the ball like they're going to take a quick free kick and they wait for try like a Sanson player to get in the way to block it. Yeah. I always think, they're never going to take that quick free kick. They like <laughs> pretend to do it. And it's like, who are you kidding, mate? You know, you're literally going to send Tarkovsky, me and all those players forward. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the way they play football is shocking. People say that it works, but it's not It's not good to watch. Um, and it is good to watch Sean Dyche fuming in post-match pressure conferences. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that's good to hear. Pleasing, <laughs> pleasing to hear. Very pleasing to hear. Um, so, 
up next for us, West Brom. Um, another shithouse in Big Sam. Exactly, another shithouse in Big Sam. They just had an amazing result against Chelsea, 5-2. So um, perhaps not as easy a game as we we might have hoped for earlier on in the season. And certainly when the reverse fixture, we beat them 2-0 at St Mary's and they were, they were dreadful. I think they, they barely laid a glove on us. Um, but I think Big Sam's got them playing a little bit more rugged as he usually does when he goes into these clubs. Um, that's in eight days' time on, on Monday. Uh, and then we've got the semi-final. So as I kind of said at the start of the podcast, things are a little, looking a little bit more rosy for us now. Um, and Ben, just going into that West Brom game, um, what, how optimistic are you feeling about these final eight games of the season and, and what are our objectives? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, the objective is to, is to stay in the Premier League. But I mean, one win, I'm on one more win, I think. Uh, touch, touch wood, sees us safe. And, and then it gives the opportunity to try different things out and try more things like, like the plan B we used today and more things that aren't just our our primary system that we use. Um, we're, we're saying there about confidence and confidence players, and and for West Brom to win that game against Chelsea it is is a bit kind of worrying, a bit nervous, but they, it's it doesn't change their whole season. They're still yeah. they're still down there fighting, um, and we've we've got a better quality team than them, and. I suppose if we if we remain kind of as as, as confident as we did as um, after that second goal that Burnley scored today, then we should be okay. And I just wanted to give you Jack a last word, but I think credit to the players as well because something that has been questioned over recent weeks is the ability to turn things around when things aren't going our way, and certainly going two 0 down at home to Burnley, um, things were very much not going our way. We were playing poorly, but to come back and as you say, first come from behind. Um, win like that since the Liverpool game Sadio Mane inspired um, massive credit to the players there surely yeah huge credit and I think you said at the start that Stuart Armstrong goal coming at a massive time for the players but you could sense a bit more fight and urgency in that performance today the previous previous games where we've lost at home the Brighton one Villa one's just at the top of my head where or maybe not the Villa one we did show a bit of fight there but the Brighton one where we were just playing the ball around and not really laying a glove on on the opposition. But when we went 2-0 down today, I, I almost, you know, I had, a, I had a sense that the players were going to show a bit more of a fight and they did. And you have to give credit to them. Seemed fired up. And I think that goes, that comes a lot down to the return in Danny Ings and Theo Walcott. I think that lifts the whole team. So, um, yeah, I think objectives the rest of the season, like Ben said, Safety is primary objective, but you'd hope 36 points, Fulham are down there on 26, so we're 10 points above them. Um, one more win should do it. That West Brom game coming up next, they're seven points adrift. Um, so they will be targeting that one as a, a must win if they're going to try and try and stay up. So basically just huge that we won today. So it doesn't turn that game Monday night football into the Hawthorns into like an actual, you know, a bit of a relegation scrap. I think it just takes the pressure off. So delighted to see that win. Absolutely. Well, gents, thank you both very much for joining me and thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be publishing on Tuesday morning instead of our regular Monday morning uh, podcast, just because we'll be reacting to that West Brom game. And then the week after that is FA Cup semi-final. So lots to look forward to, but gents, thanks for joining me. Nice one, lads. Cheers.